Oh yeah, drunk girls. We love them, except when you have to deal with them. Nah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just referencing my Saturday night, which was basically waiting for a bunch of uh, drunk girls, including my wife, to come home while I stayed home and worked on my website like the pathetic 35-year-old man I've become. Ah, so sad. Remember, I used to be popular. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Anywho, you guys don't care about my social life, but I know what you do care about. You do care about the stock market. Yes, that's why we're all here, because we like money. We're materialistic. We're self-centered. We're all of those things. Ah, what do we care? We just want more money. But anyway, enough chitter, enough chit-chat. Let's get to it. So here's where my mind has been going lately, at least partially. I'm shifting toward some more domestic things. I don't really like what's happening internationally for a bunch of reasons. So I've been looking at a company called United Reynolds. Sorry, United Rentals. Let's let's speak a little more clearly, shall we? URI is the ticker symbol. And I if you look around at any sort of heavy equipment, something like if there's any event in your area, say a concert, say anything like that, a festival, something, there's going to be a lot of equipment around that is rented, and a lot of that stuff comes from United Rentals. They're going to do very well in this period, I believe, particularly in a period where the government is going to spend a lot of money on infrastructure coming ahead. At least that's what they're telling us. Well, we'll see if that actually comes to pass. We've seen this before, haven't we? We've seen the talk of infrastructure spending that ends up possibly going into, oh, I don't know, say some government employees' pensions instead of the infrastructure, not only new projects, but even more importantly, the upkeep, which as we've seen, often doesn't happen. It's promised all the time, this infrastructure upkeep, but what ends up happening is it's promised, but since these politicians only have to run for office every few years, they wait for that election cycle. And frankly, the new shiny stuff is even better than maintenance. But either way, the point is, is URI, United Rentals, United Rentals. Boy, I'm having trouble with that word. That is going to be a winner, in my opinion. So, but let's let's be careful. I've been waiting for this thing to come down for a while. And, and frankly, I've been waiting for a minute. It hasn't wanted, it hasn't really given us a moment to, uh, to, to get in. There hasn't been a good entry point here unless you just bought it months ago and said, heck it, I'm, I'm taking the plunge. And obviously, in retrospect, I wish I would have done that. And, and this phenomenon is, is really kind of, is not unique to United Rentals. United Rentals, my God, I am a professional broadcaster, ladies and gentlemen. URI, let's start saying that. The thing about URI is it just keeps going higher and higher, seemingly, if you look at that chart, and it doesn't want to come down and let you get in. Well, that's kind of been the way the market has gone lately. It's very momentum-oriented, and things that go up for a while, it's been a self-fulfilling prophecy of more and more buyers keep piling into it. We can call it the machines. We can call it whatever we want. 
there are buyers piling in and more and more to these things. And then on the other side, when you have negative news, it seems to compound itself even even further. We have what you might call, I guess, a parabolic market. Things that want to go up really want to go up, and things that go down really want to go down, at least in the short term. Now, that's where we come in. That's where we have to get past the emotion of these moments and look for for long-term truth. That's my entire philosophy when you get right down to it. Having said all that, that is exactly why I made a larger buy than usual with Spotify. I just was worried that that... Man, there's a there's a company with some potential to get some some momentum on Wall Street, and I wanted to be ahead of this crowding in, this piling on of the buys, this this phenomenon. I want to be ahead of that. Obviously, I don't want to be behind it. That's that's not what we want to do here on this show. We like to be ahead of things because obviously that's how you make money in the market. And now let's move to Facebook really quick. Of course, that's been the big talk of of all business news, all stock news in the past week to a few days. Of course, is Mark Zuckerberg's testimony on Capitol Hill. I'm here to tell you right now, as a Facebook, a former, I should now say, Facebook owner, I, I did actually sell the last bits of my position before his testimony at about 160. And, of course, now you can say, well, that was a mistake because it's now trading at about 165. I'm going to be completely candid here. I just didn't want – I have a very – I had and have, have had in several different uh, uh, sellings of a larger position a nice, nice winner in Facebook, 100%. We're talking a double. Like I doubled my money. So uh, my whole philosophy is I don't want to – I never want to see a big winner turn into a loser and the old adage of nobody ever got, nobody ever went broke taking a profit could not be more true. And I'm always going to err on the side of caution. You know, my wife is a nurse, and, you know, of course, the Hippocratic Oath, part of that is first do no harm. I'd like to think that's my philosophy with investing, too. The last thing I want to do is turn our gains into losses. We want to, we want to, we want to take the money and run sometimes, even if that means leaving a little upside on the table. Now, having said that, I, I digress a little bit. Let me get back to the overall Facebook take here. I think we need to wait. To, we need to wait. And I and if you're a if you're going to be a subscriber to my website, which very very soon it's going to go live, I think we're going to get back in at some point. I think the negativity is either going to be overblown or. Maybe we're already there. And here's why. That entire Facebook thing up on Capitol Hill, Zuckerberg up on his little booster seat, that was political theater. That that whole thing was theater. That just was a perfect opportunity for a bunch of politicians to get up on their high horse and grandstand. That's really all it is. And, and frankly, their grandstanding wasn't very impressive either. I mean, we're talking about some of the most geriatric people on the planet. They're gonna, we want these people who don't even understand how Facebook works, as far as I can tell. We're going to trust these idiots to, rec- to regulate social media? Is that what, is that what we're going to do? Is that the pitch to me? 
Here's the thing. Zuckerberg even even quoted on in his testimony that he said the regulations is actually good for him because these sorts of regulations, it does create costs, as he recognized, but a, a, an established gigantic corporation like Facebook is much better positioned to take advantage and to pay those sorts of fees to the government, those sorts of costs to whoever they have to pay the cost to for the costs of compliance, guess what? A small startup that has no revenue, that has no that has that doesn't have the built-in capital that a company that's been around for over 10 years like Facebook has, they're at a stark disadvantage. Now of course they're going to be in a disadvantage anyway because they're behind the game, but let's not create legal disadvantages for startups. That's the last thing that we want. Do we not want more competitors for Facebook? See, to me, that's what we want. We want more and more people entering this space, no matter what your political views are, no matter if you think that Cambridge Analytica helped get Donald Trump elected, or you think that Sheryl Sandberg's coziness with Hillary Clinton was a bad thing, or you just generally don't like what Facebook is doing to our data, what we want is more competitors. And to think that Facebook can never be overtaken, that the market cannot, that some competitor cannot emerge and overtake them, if you really think that, I have one word for you. MySpace. Yes, MySpace. If you're under 20, look it up. It was a thing. It was a huge, huge thing. And now, like blockbuster video, it is gone forever. And it's never coming back. But it was one time a ubiquitous part of all of our lives. Don't think for one second that Facebook is any different. But I'm telling you right now, if we use a bu- if we get the FTC or, or, or something else involved in Facebook, it's going to turn in... To the, to the AT&T monopoly of the phone company that, is, that existed for decades, that even those regulations today are a huge part, a huge factor that has lived on into the net neutrality debate. How much more control do we want to give? How much more, how hard do we want to make competitors in any business? We don't want to make it hard. We want competitors. Stop crowding out competition in favor of companies like Comcast and Facebook. You may have good intentions, but I assure you, you do not know what you're doing. The market, as the hashtag delete Facebook thing shows quite clearly, is as harsh of a regulator as there is. People who have spent years on Facebook putting tons of pictures on there are now ready to dump it at a moment's notice, and never come back. What does that tell you? Again, the market is the harshest regulator that there is. And of course, the big news over the weekend here is that we, as in the District of Columbia, all those geniuses, the Trump administration has chosen to drop some bombs, some sort of airstrike, some sort of something, on Syria. And without getting too deep into the details of that particular strike, I will just say, notice 
that Raytheon is going to go up next week. What do you want to bet? Notice that every time Trump tweets about about striking Syria, companies like Raytheon, General Dynamics, Northrop Grumman, and Lockheed Martin, three of those companies other than General Dynamics I actually happen to own, notice that they always go up. I'm again struggling to see a scenario where, where these defense stocks don't just keep powering higher. Either the United States government continues to increase its presence or it pulls back. And in either scenario, if it pulls back, that's going to cause the rest of the world to need to increase its defense spending, whereas the U.S. continuing to plow forward increases its spending. It seems to me that these companies are uniquely positioned to keep on winning. And I know I've been beating this drum a lot, and maybe you're sick of hearing it, but you know what? I'm not sick of uh, watching those stocks go up. And even though I'm an anti-war guy, I, I want to see you guys have returns, and I want to see you get the, the tax money that is stolen from you to go into example this boondoggle of a jet that is the F-35 that we've been working on for a couple decades now. I'd like to see you get that money back in the form of some capital gains. That really makes me happy. It puts a little smile on my face. You might have noticed that in my defense discussion there I didn't include Boeing and I also of all of among the high grower stocks I've been on Facebook I've been on Google I've been on Amazon and many years ago I was also on Netflix but in recent years I just haven't been on Netflix recently obviously if you look at the charts of Netflix and Boeing Clearly, they've gone up, and they've been a winner. So you can say, wow, John, you really messed, you really uh, screwed the pooch on that one. You missed the boat. Um, you're, you're right, and you're wrong. I would say, yes, I guess I did miss the boat. But at the same time, you must always look at opportunity cost. Like I just said, I own three giant defense companies, plus a couple smaller ones, too. I can't own them all. And Boeing, the reason I decided, I've decided against Boeing is because of the slight, maybe better than slight, risk that some kooky person in some part of the world with a Stinger missile is going to blow up an airplane. And <laughs> those type of things are just not good for Boeing, let's put it that way. Uh, whatever you think of that risk, to me, there's more risk there than there is in a Lockheed or a Raytheon type company. So I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna err on the side of caution there. I'm gonna still continue to err on the side of caution. As for Netflix, that's a company that I made tremendous gains on in the earlier part of this decade. But I gotta say, in recent years, I with the increased competition and just the massive and by competition, I'm not just speaking of from Amazon Prime and Hulu and other streaming services, I'm talking about even what you're listening to right now. The podcast game is 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 just growing by leaps and bounds. And then you've got esports, you've got just you've got all of YouTube, you've got everything. The amount of content that people have to ingest now is utterly overwhelming. And I have to admit, Netflix has done a tremendous job of keeping people engaged. And I just find that every once in a while I think, 
gosh, do I really, do I really need this $12 a month? And yet I never cancel it. So I guess that shows why Netflix keeps going up because it's, they've got a great price point that is hard to argue with. That is hard to cancel because you think, oh, well, yeah, I haven't watched Netflix for two or three months, but by golly, Orange is the New Black is right around the corner. Or what about the next stand-up special? You never know when Chappelle is going to drop a stand-up these days. I mean, they've really come up with a brilliant business model here. I just, I just wonder if someday that their subscriber base is going to get hurt a little bit. I, I guess not, though. I just, you know, now that I've sold out of Facebook, I think I'm now as I'm even talking here, I'm starting to talk myself back into Netflix. I think I'd better add it to my premium watch list <laughs> over at EverybodyTrades.com. I mean, it really is like Prime, isn't it? It's like you you almost forget that you're even paying for it. It's got this perfect price point. And yeah, I think, you know what, folks? We're going to have to take another look at Netflix next week. That's just all there is to it. I've talked myself into it. I'm starting to not like Facebook as much, but eh, we're, we're going to have to revisit this one. I'm now talking out loud too much. And finally... Just one last thing. I, I thought this was really interesting. I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm a huge Royals fan, as those of you who have a good eye on my Everybody Trades logo are well aware of. But I just thought this was funny. I, over on Royals Review, which is a great blog over on SBNation.com, there was a note here at the end of this piece that said, David Glass, who's the owner of the Kansas City Royals, Purchased the team in 2000 for a price of $96 million. So that's interesting. And the interesting part is that Forbes now says, estimates that the franchise is worth over a billion dollars. Now the easy reaction there is to say, wow, David Glass, what what a financial genius he is. And eh, there might be some truth to that. But the part that I think is interesting is that, remember... Glass bought the team for a little less than $100 million in the year 2000. Well, a little less than 10 years later, at the end of the decade, the Royals footed about the same, about $100 million, which was the same cost approximately as what the team cost a few years ago. But then the city of Kansas City, among other things, foot up $575 million of a renovation for Kauffman Stadium. Yes, that's right. David Glass bought a team for $100 million approximately. And then a few years later, the city gave him about a half a billion freaking dollars. Incredible. Wow. Why do we keep doing this? I mean, really? If the Royals want to have a nicer stadium, which, hey, I love it. The stadium looks great. It looks fabulous. I'm thrilled. Can the people who come through the gates pay for it? Is that possible? And by the way, what I'm really saying is, can David Glass pay for it? That's what I'm saying. The fans obviously will indirectly pay for it with the money that they spend. But just because I like baseball doesn't mean you have to like baseball. You see, this is a classic seen and unseen thing, as my buddy old Frederic Bastiat would say. See, this the whole problem with Spending $500 million on a baseball stadium is it's an easy scene thing for politicians to say, hey, look at what we did. We 
put a nice new shiny coat of paint on your baseball stadium. And by golly, that means the Royals are going to be here for another 25 years. Hey, give me a pat on the back, everybody. The problem with that is the unseen. The unseen, the opportunity cost, what we could have spent that money on. All of the people who had their money taken from them, who have no interest in going to Kauffman Stadium, or maybe only want to go once every few years or something, they're being forced to subsidize the rest of us, like me, who happen to be gigantic baseball fans. I, for one, don't mind paying a market rate for my ticket. I don't need to be subsidized. And you know what? If that means that there aren't enough people to pay for a half a billion dollar stadium renovation, so be it. There is nothing written in the Constitution about anybody being guaranteed a Major League Baseball franchise. Sorry, our sports fandom does not trump reality. And with that, we're going to get on out of here. But first, a little more. Drunk girls. <laughs> 